Locked in on the box. No, never in a million years. Bringing the insight and the analysis. I do hate charge calls. 2022 Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, Eric Name of The Athletic, is on Rutledge and Hamilton. It is Eric Name. We share our hatred of charge. And I want to talk to you about charge calls in a minute, Eric Name. And we obviously want to get your update on, on Giannis as well, but... Mr. NBA, Matt Hamilton, we played a little game with him. <laughs> We're not going to play with you, but we had, we listed off uh, old Brewers and old Bucks and asked him, were they a Milwaukee Buck or a Milwaukee Brewer player? Matt didn't do great, but I just want to ask you, Eric, what are some of like your favorite like random Buck players from back in the day? Not that you covered, but just kind of from back in the day. Huh. Um, I mean, Ramon Sessions is a good one. That is a good one, yeah. He just tallies up assists. All Sounds like a Brewer. <laughs> Yeah, he could have played second base, hundred percent. Ramon <laughs> Sessions absolutely could have been a second baseman as well. Who about um, for Alston? That's that you know, the skip to my Lou. My Lou's a great one. Yeah, a hundred percent. That is another good one. Um, I mean, Keith Van Horn back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. see, a little memory lane here. Yeah, a little high sock action as well. That to middle schooler was pretty cool. That you know, some dude was out there wearing high socks. I'll 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 get you off the hook there. I would say that the favorite Buck play I covered. I wasn't covering the Bucks at the time. I was down in Miami. But I always loved when Andrew Bogut came around because he was just such an introspective, interesting guy and just didn't give generic answers, at least when he was in. I can't speak all the time, but when he was down, I was he was just an interesting guy to talk to, and the accent always made it more interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an all-time open book as far as players go in the league. Uh, Bogut loved talking, loved talking about everything, anything, at any time. So, yeah, that's that's an all-time quote there. The Utah connection <laughs> there for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks with Keith Van Horn and um, – Andrew Bogut. So let's uh, let's get to Giannis here. What's the what's the latest you have from us? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a guy that was doubtful yesterday, uh, questionable now in the middle of the day today. Um, throughout all of this, Mike Budenholzer has has been optimistic, which I'm not going to say is like uh, you know like a clear sign of anything, but it is unusual for Bud. Typically, when Mike Boonholzer talks about, you know, an injury status or what's going on with the player, it is very vague. It is as little information as possible. There's never any sort of, like, hedging in in any direction. So it, it was weird to kind of hear him say, like, oh, we are actually optimistic. And to me, I, I think a lot of it is it comes down to kind of what our guy Sham Shrani at The Athletic reported is that, you know, this is probably going to be a pain tolerance thing. Like more than, you know, obviously the MRI came up clean. The x-ray came up clean. Like there, there's no damage in those two ways. We're just talking about a contusion, which is a bone bruise. So we're talking about a tailbone, a low back bruised, and it's going to be very serious. Like it's going to hurt a lot. If you watch the play, you saw him fall from about four feet in the air, straight down on, on that low back. So, to me, if it's a pain tolerance issue, those tend to be the moments where Giannis does stuff that no one really thinks is possible uh, throughout his career. That's kind of been what he does. If he can play, he will go out there and play. Um, but maybe the pain is too much. Like th- Those are things that can happen. Maybe all of this was gamesmanship throughout the day that you know, in the lead up to the game, they wanted the, the Heat to think he was doubtful and not prepare that hard and then Today, they wanted to call him questionable and really make them prepare hard. Like, 
all of those things could be possible. So, yeah, I mean, he's that questionable. I'm sure that, you know, I'm going to get to the to the gym two and a half hours early, and we're going to see if Giannis is out on the floor. And if Giannis is out on the floor, that means there's a chance that he'll play. And then, you know, another 30, 40 minutes later, we'll talk to Mike Budenholzer, and he will tell us whether or not, you know, Giannis – is going to be a game-time decision, whether he's going to be out, whether he's going to play. And then if he is a game-time decision, well, we're going to wait until 30 minutes before the game. So how these things tend to go in the playoffs is you are going to string that out as long as possible. As long as you can keep the other team guessing, even though maybe it's silly, right? Like, I don't think the Heat are like, oh, man, what are we going to do if Giannis isn't out there? <laughs> oh, like, how, how are we going to be ready for that? It's, it's largely... You know, you're planning for Giannis to be out there, and I'm sure that's how the Heat have kind of had, handled the last couple of days. Yeah, so it, that kind of leads me into one: Can the Bucks get it done? Say Giannis is out for the series, can the Bucks get it done against the Heat without Giannis? And if not, uh, like how long can they hold off and stay in this? Because I. I feel like they can win it tonight at home, but once you start mixing these road games in and the longer Giannis is out, the harder it could seem. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, the, the big thing is going to be what the Bucks do defensively going forward. I, I just thought it was, you know, a really poor performance from them. We're talking about a team that's 25th in offensive efficiency throughout the season. And yeah, you know, they kind of got in a groove a little bit at the end of the season in the Miami Heat, but Overall, they haven't been a good offensive team. And they come out and score 130 points. That's the fourth time all season they've scored 130 points. They did three times the regular season. Fourth time uh, was on Sunday against the Bucks, And they shot 60% from the three-point line. They, they let Jimmy Butler leak out and get a bunch of easy dunks and layups. They let Jimmy Butler get to the rim. I just thought it was an unfocused defensive performance. And I think, you know, if they take care of that, if that is better going forward, like Javon Carter today at shoot-around said, we got to treat it like a playoff game. We pl- we played Sunday like it was a regular season game. And, I mean, if you're talking about... Uh, you stole my next question. I was literally about, just going to ask about that quote in your story. <laughs> but like, if you're going to talk about brutally honest quotes, like yeah. what the Bucks are thinking as a team, they are thinking we did not play hard enough uh, on Sunday. And I think one of the, the things that you kind of see when you watch the film, when you watch the video, is to me that they really outthought themselves. And this is something Jay Crowder said as well. Like, we were thinking about their second action and their third action. And the Heat do a lot of cool stuff, right? They run a lot of dribble handoffs. They run a lot of people off screens. It, they have great backside action. They are thinking about how to make like an intricate, difficult to cover offense. But none of that matters if you let Jimmy Butler just walk to the basket. Like, if you just <laughs> give him that, that other stuff doesn't matter. And I just thought it was a situation where they believed that they could outthink the Heat. And I think one thing that you always have to keep in mind when you're playing Miami Heat, and I know people hate hearing this, and it's going to sound like a cliche, but I don't really care. Like, you you have to outcompete them. No one's going to compete harder than an Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo-led team. They're going to play really freaking hard. And if you're not willing to bring that, nothing else matters. And, and I just think on Sunday, the Bucks didn't bring that. They didn't bring it in that first quarter. Then Giannis got hurt, and, and they were back on their heels. And to their credit, they scored pretty easily. Like If you're looking at 117 points, 
that's more than enough. That should win a game, any game, let alone a playoff game where the pace slows down and things like that. I, I, to me, I, I just think you're going to see this team come out tonight with their hair on fire. Whether or not Giannis is out there, I just think you're going to see that intensity on the defensive end ratchet up four or five notches because it just wasn't there on Sunday. Talking with Eric Name from the Athletic, I'm happy to hear you say that because I, like, I hate to be the guys like watching on TV and you, you know everyone always says this, but it's like, man, it just seems like they're flat or flat-footed throughout. I mean, so many breakaway uh, dunks for the Heat. Uh, Reggie Miller caught some flack by saying that what the Heat would miss Tyler Hero more than the the Bucks would miss Giannis, <laughs> but I, I think what he was trying to get at was the point you were making out there with the Bucks that they do have a lot of really good players to get by Miami. Miami doesn't have a lot of scores. And you, they kind of win with what you're talking about there, that grit, uh, heat mentality, or whatever they call it down there, uh, heat culture. But uh, Tyler Hero, he's the guy that gets buckets for him. It is a major loss for Miami. Fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously in the last 48 hours, we spent a lot of time on Giannis's injury, right? And obviously that makes sense. One's an MVP and, and one's a borderline all star, or whatever mm-hmm. you want to say Tyler Hero is. Um, so it makes sense, right? It makes sense that we'd focus on Giannis. But that's it's massive for the Heat. You're looking at what they can do offensively, and you know they got a massive boost from Kevin Love off the bench last game. And Kevin Love shot the ball really well from the three-point line. He pick and pop, pick and pop them in a way that you know can really make the Bucks' defensive strategy and scheme struggle. And I don't think that's going to happen again in game two. Like the, the Bucks know that. They're, they're ready for that. And, and when you can take away the, the looks that a team has schemed open, that means you need talent. That means you need creativity. That means you need someone that can create off the bounce, create for themselves. And Hero was one of those guys. And obviously the, the Heat will will lean on other guys. Gabe Vincent had a great, a great game as well. You know, they have a guy in Duncan Robinson that – while he has been out of the rotation and in the rotation and out of the rotation and back and forth the last couple of years, he's a guy that can really shoot the basketball. So they're creative. They're going to find other ways to make it tough. But when you can't scheme guys open across a playoff series, you just have to have talent. And and Tyler Hero is one of those creative guys that could really create something for himself. Yeah. um, I I always go back and I think about, like, Who's which injury would be more devastating to a team? And like, yes, Giannis is one of the best in the game right now. But like, what you do for your team is like, it's not a constant. It's not, there isn't a basis between the two players. So I think I'm honestly don't think he's totally wrong saying Tyler Hero out is going to be a massive hit for the Heat. My question is, when a guy like Giannis goes down, I feel like you should have players that step up and move into that like a little more point scorer role. We had Middleton who had 33 and Bobby Portis had a great game with 22 on the bench, but I kind of look at like Brooke Lopez as like the guy on the team when he's rolling, I don't see the Bucks losing or doing like at least losing in the fashion that they did. So how do they and are they thinking about getting Brooke Lopez more involved in this offense? Because he didn't have a ton of looks uh, the other night and only walked away with 10 points. Yeah, I think when you kind of see what Brooke had, you know, it was an off shooting night from the three-point line, which is always going to obviously take that number down a little bit. Um, I I don't think that will happen again. He is a very good shooter, so I I think that'll come back up. But I think one of the other things you look at is 
just how focused Bobby Portis was on getting points and getting to the basket and getting to his spot. I think when he came in with Chris Middleton, and again, Chris Middleton does a great job kind of getting guys involved, and that can be a little bit different when Giannis is out there just because Giannis needs space rather than you know someone to dump it down to. Um, I just think the way that Portis was aggressive and looked for his, his shots, like that's a Heat team that doesn't have a ton of size. There was a reason why he was able to be successful doing that, and, and I, I wouldn't be shocked you know, tonight – whether or not Giannis is perfectly healthy or, or, or whatever, right? Like, if he is, great. And if he isn't, like, I do think Brooke is someone that they can lean on in that way. And the Heat will send double teams and do all the things that they do. But, you know, if Brooke is uh, aggressive, assertive, and, you know, makes up his mind, he's decisive, uh, I think he can have some big games against against this Heat team just because they don't really have the requisite size to, to slow down the, the big guys that the Bucks have. Right. Eric, uh, I wanted to get this one. Actually, ask it right away, but I want to save it for last year just because it's not directly Bucks related. But uh, there was a little buzz uh, for the Giannis injury and John Morant uh, with these charges, which I like to call the Brad Davison charge, where the off-ball defender is kind of sliding in as a player is in the air or getting close to the basket. It just kind of feels almost like the shift in baseball where it's just a bastardized version of what the, you know, the NBA or the rules supposed to be. That the charge was, hey, move your feet, get in front of a guy, guy dips his shoulder, or you beat him to the spot, that's a charge. Now it's getting dangerous. Before it was annoying, now it's getting dangerous. Do you think it's something that could be regulated uh, a little bit out of the game in this next uh, offseason as they kind of take a look at the rules committee? So I think the tough part is that they've made it really hard to play defense right now. That overall, you know – with hand checks getting peeled back over the last 20 or so years, um, it's been harder on the ball to stay in front of people just because you can't use your hands, you can't use your hips, you, you can't kind of do all of the things that, you know, the old school tough-minded defensive guards like a Gary Payton used to be able to do, right? Mm-hmm. You can't do that anymore. So that's opened up the game more, that's opened up spacing more, and, you know, you can go up and try to challenge some of these dudes, but if they have such a big runway – your kind of last resort is to, to is to take a charge, and obviously, um, as the intro of this segment shows, I, I don't love charges. Um, that, that's not something that I'm a big fan of. But I, I think what you got to do is like bounce out the scales, right? If you are going to take up the, you're going to take out the charge, and I don't necessarily know that you have to take it out. I think I would move the restricted area up a little bit. I would make it a square, yeah. uh, and instead of making it, you know, like the circle, you you bump it out a little bit, but. I would start, you know, calling hand checks. Uh, I think yeah. one thing that has really opened up offenses is just about every dribble handoff is an illegal screen. Whether it's the Bucks running it, whether it's the Heat running it, if you watch tonight, watch a dribble handoff, I can almost guarantee you Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, uh, Bam Adebayo, or Kevin Love are setting an illegal screen. Yep. Just by the letter of the law. And I just think... If you are going to take out the charge, then you got to call illegal screens. You got to let more hand checks go. Like, you have to find a way to, to find the balance because if you keep taking away the rights of defenders, it's just going to be. And, and again, I want people to understand that there's very high level defense played in the NBA. Yes. Like, the, the, it's very high level. It's so much better than college. I, I can't even truly explain <laughs> it. I, and I certainly don't have enough time in this segment. So, right. there is defense played in the NBA. But 
they're so talented as scorers that if you don't let them play some defense, I think it turns into a homogenous product that people aren't really going to love. There's not going to have you're not going to have the different identities. You're not going to have the different styles of offense. So I'm down with getting rid of the charge, but if they get rid of the charge, I think you got to bring some other stuff back and, and let defenders be a little bit more physical on the ball. So, like, when you mention illegal screens for my non-NBA fans, that's because their feet aren't set, right? And that's part so of the illegal of time, part of the screen? So, a lot of times what you're going to watch, and especially on dribble handoffs. So, uh, on a dribble handoff, you're going to have a big man with the ball around the elbow. You're going to have someone down in the corner. They're going to whip around that in a U-shape. And essentially what's going to happen is when they hand it off, their feet might be still but maybe their right shoulder leans out a little bit, or maybe their left shoulder leans out a little bit, or maybe they stick out their hip, or maybe they put their knees further out, like bend down and make it. Giannis is very good at it. Like if you watch the width of a Giannis screen, <laughs> I can't um, imagine. I mean, that dude is taking up six feet of space. There's no way you can get around it. So overall, you're just looking at, you know, Something that isn't meant to look like that, you're, you're looking at, and again, feet might be set, everything right. might be fine, but it's about how you're moving your body and manipulating other parts of your body to take up more space and illegally manage to hit someone or, or hit a defender trying to get through it. Right. Uh, Matt, that's a good question because I was going to explain it to you off the air. Uh, Eric, <laughs> thanks uh, so much for hopping on. Hopefully we got some good news to be talking about uh, the next time you join us. Yeah. Absolutely. Can't wait. All right. That's Eric Name from The Athletic. Uh, This is Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light.